Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, Kirk Crosby, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is indeed the broadcast for... Wow, it's already October the 26th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, in our one and two every day, six days a week, we use the supreme law of the land, the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, I've been out for a couple of days. I'm going to skip the recap of a previous show because a lot of it was talking about the debates and all this other kind of stuff. Bottom line is each side complaining. Uh, that they weren't fairly treated, but also each side claiming victory as well. The sham of the debates continue is all I got to say. Okay, we're not really hearing what the candidates think, what they feel. They're browbeaten, manipulated by the commentators and by the moderators and by the <laughs> adjudicators and by the manipulators. And, uh, can, shall I go on or is that enough? Got it. Okay, thank you very much. That's the deal with that. Now, hard-hitting news that I refuse to use starts now. What, the elections are, what, uh, eight days away? The Beatles used to sing about eight days a week. Well, there you have it. We need more than a week to discuss the shenanigans going on for this election. That's for sure. Kirk Crosby's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Buenos dias. Uh, Greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam. We have a very special broadcast today. It's going to be four of us for two hours straight. All right, first, Dr. Scott Bradley's with us. Lowell Nelson's with us. Normally, Scott's or Lowell's with us first hour. Scott's with us second hour every Monday. In this case, we're going to mix it all up, and all four of us are going to be together. And the idea is this, ladies and gentlemen. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. It's a quote from de Tocqueville. With the taste for physical gratification, among them has grown more rapidly than their education. The time will come when men are carried away. And lose all self-restraint. It is not necessary to do violence to such people in order to strip them of the rights they enjoy. They themselves willingly loosen their hold. They neglect their chief business, which is to remain their own masters. Alexis de Tocqueville. Indeed, governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. With that as the backdrop for the election discussion today, we'll uh, give a warm welcome to Dr. Scott Bradley first. You with us, sir? I am indeed, and uh, with four of us here, we ought to be able to stir up enough trouble to last you the whole week. Amen to that. All right. There's the music. Why? Because uh, we don't have Lowell Nelson with us yet. He'll join us here in just a minute. Uh, in the meantime, let's set the stage for this discussion with this idea, Dr. Scott Bradley, that, you know what, we shouldn't change our government for light or in transient purposes, what they're saying is, hey, you know what? Change we think is good. You know, candidates run on it's time for change or the big change or 
we, we can do this or do that. And it's always looking to government for those answers. The founders clearly warn us that change is relatively not good. And for the most part, especially rapid change, is disaster uh, for any government that preserves liberty. Doctor? Well, you know that uh, uh, statement uh, about the, well, let's just take it right out of the Declaration of Independence. Prudence and deed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And the, and the fact of the matter is that um, we seem to be, well, there's a whole bunch of strings we could pull on on this one and, and how people usually give it up themselves like we have during this pandemic that's happened and, and how people have abandoned all semblance of liberty and, and seem to be rolling over and, and, well, they bunker up and hunker down and, and pretty soon are a bunch of scared rabbits that have let our whole nation slip through our fingers. But there's other things that are happening in the election that will accelerate that, I believe, at this time, because uh, most Americans have not really been paying attention as they've lost their liberties. They've been more interested in whether or not there's going to be a an NBA season or an NFL season or if there's going to be uh, uh, colleges that are going to be able to do it with, uh, you know, their, all the regulations on. I mean, they're, they're distracted by everything except for maintaining their liberty. They, they won't even pay attention to that, you know. It's just bizarre to me, absolutely. Bizarre indeed. Kurt, you want to take a stab at this one? Well, uh, you know, the, I mean, we're all for change as long as we're talking about improvements, um, going back and re, re, basically uh, returning to the principles that we uh, need to be returning to, um, this whole idea of, uh, you know, changing and moving forward uh, or progressiveness if you will you know is something to be uh well avoided at all costs you know you guys i just uh i think back to obama's election and his motto change you can believe in well it's a euphemistic term that's that can be broadly interpreted across the whole spectrum of everything and his change and my change certainly were not uh, on the same page. And what, what Kurt's saying, I think, is that uh, if we can restore and renew uh, that which is principled and sound and go back to that rather than, than press forward into the uh, what seems to be a, a pathway to communism, that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real weird kind of time we're in. Where oftentimes they deceive and make you believe that socialism is, is benevolent. Communism would be evil, but of course, socialism is a benevolent good thing. It's the soft, you know, kind of mode to make sure that everybody gets their fair shake. But that is an outright, complete, psychotic lie as well, because all roads of isms uh, end up really leading to communism outright uh, along the way. In other words, all roads lead there. You might feel like it's a soft travel south at first, but yet over time, uh, the damage is done, to say the least. It's interesting to me, too, when we talk about change. You know, our founding fathers were not perfect, and the Constitution is not perfect. But I'll tell you what, it's provided more liberty for more people in the history of the world than any other plan, bar none. It's been tried. It's been tested. The founders called it a grand old experiment. Uh, they then said that grand old experiment was incredibly successful. Okay, but what we want to do is make change, make change, make change. And every time we make change to supposedly improve things or for the purposes of expediency or for any other reason, it seems like 
we just take another turn for the worst. Look at our society now. It's violent. It's immoral. It's I could go on and on. And that's the change that we've supposedly embraced. I submit to you uh, to our eventual demise if we're not very careful and if we don't change the road we're on. Looks like Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, has joined us. We're talking about this idea that we shouldn't change our government for light purposes. And what they want to do every election is they want to go for massive change, always supposedly for the better, Lowell. Well, I have two comments that come to mind, Sam. Number one, I I do like the uh, increased visibility of the Utah State Constitution, which is the natural result of uh, uh, you know a, a proposal to change the um, language of the um, of, of the Constitution. The reason I like the emphasis, I, I mean, I, I like the fact that more people are reading the state constitution. I think, um, for the most part, people put way too much emphasis on the um, on the federal constitution, which was intended to constrain the general government, and they put almost no emphasis. I mean, how many people do you know who have actually read the Utah Constitution, the Declaration of Rights in Article One, for example? And, um, and and actually understand the contents there. Uh, and the reason that I like the emphasis on the state constitution is because the states, by, by design, by our framers, were to uh, be in charge of or have jurisdiction for all domestic issues, which were numerous and indefinite, right? I mean, the authorities, the rights, and, and so forth that were uh, supposed to be uh, considered within the purview of the states were numerous and indefinite. And so anything, uh, you know, not mentioned in the state constitution was still held by the states if it wasn't forbidden by the federal. And yet, on the other hand, the federal constitution, it says, if it's not here, you don't get it, right? And so the, the general government only could exercise the authority that was explicitly granted in the federal constitution. So that's why I I do like the increased attention that's being devoted to the state constitution, but that's just that's just you know uh, that, that that's the first thought comes to my mind. Number two, well, so hold um, on, really quick. I agree that transparency is a good thing, and uh, mm-hmm. familiarity is a great thing. Uh, you know, you got to read and understand and, and things like that. My fear with that greater transparency, though, uh, I shouldn't say transparency, greater scrutiny and greater focus, though is that many people who are uneducated about it are making decisions and voting on changes to it without really understanding the changes. The uh, um, Oftentimes when we put together um, amendments or changes, whatever you want to call it, um, that might be the legal way to go about it. But yet when they word these things and when they set the stage uh, in the media over and over and over for a certain agenda – Pretty soon people believe, because of the propaganda they've received, they believe that, hey, it's all transparent, I understand it, I, um, but yet what's happening is they're really deceived. We'll talk about that. Dr. Scott Bradley will respond on the other side. I get the transparency and I agree that it's good for people to be familiar. But if you're not careful and uneducated, propagandized populist being familiar with something may not be as transparent as we wish. We'll talk about that, then we'll get to your number two. Lol, hang tight.
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. Whether you are poor, middle class or rich, it ain't gonna happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled N-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000. So I agree with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, that you know what, it's good to have transparency and it's good to have familiarity, and this focus on the state constitution is good. Because the states should have a lot more power than the federal government. I agree in the point. I'm a little concerned, though, when you have a propagandized public that doesn't truly understand even where their rights come from. It's a little dangerous because it's almost like false (laughs) transparency in education uh, on the topic. Dr. Bradley, uh, your thought on this real quick. Well, sure. Um, I, uh, I, I too, am concerned that normally most people don't understand what their constitution in their state says, and, and I would and I would really encourage a greater understanding. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, 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 one Utah legislator I know that has been in for 40 years, he made a statement in a public meeting here not too long ago that there is not a constitutional right to private property. Well, Utah's Article 1 in the very first beginning of the Utah Constitution, protects that inherent inalienable right. But he's been in the legislature 40 years, and he himself has not read it carefully enough to understand that. But I I want to also maybe, uh, I don't know, clarify, add on, I don't know how how I would put it to to Lowell. Um, I, I have a divergence of opinion from many that are what would be considered Tenth Amendmenters. And, uh, Certainly, uh, we understand from the 45th Federalist Paper that the powers are few and well-defined in the national government, and the inherent ones are left with the states. Uh, a lot of Tenth Amendment people, including our own governor in the state of Utah, uses justifies many of his mandate, quote-unquote, actions under the Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution, which is absolutely a facade, because think about it for a moment. If uh, nothing's mentioned 
do we still retain it? Yes, we do, Ninth Amendment. All right, so do the states have complete carte blanche and everything else? No, they do not. You look at the basic premise of why government exists in the Declaration of Independence, to secure God-given rights. Could the state mandate or even pass so-called legislative action that would say, oh, you can only have one child, or you've got to wear uh, blue shoelaces, or you can only have a chain-link fence, or no, absolutely not. Or how about a state even saying something like this, you know, we can restrict your gun rights. Uh, the Second yeah. Amendment only applies to the federal government, not the states, don't you know? And so, as a result, the state can restrict gun rights, but the federal government can. See, I submit well, see, to you that those are untouchables, and neither can. And that, that's the problem with many of our Tenth Amendment friends, is that they believe, because of that statement in, in the Tenth Amendment, that they have a complete carte blanche, as I said, a blank check that they can write on anything they choose to do. But the what they must remain in is within the constitutional limits of their own state constitution. Utah's constitution does not allow any of the things that I've just talked about, nor any of the other things the governor has been doing. The governor, for example, cannot legislate mandates. Mandates. Sounds like a very manly thing, doesn't it? But the fact of the matter is that the Utah Constitution specifies that all legislative authority is found in the legislature or inherent within the people. And the governor, in a state of emergency, even though there's a a continuity of, of government clauses in the state of Utah's Constitution, cannot usurp those powers. So, um, I, I I think I know where Lowell's going with this kind of thing, but sometimes I'd like to make certain that people that think about this don't assume that there's just a blanket authority for a state to do whatever it darn well pleases. If it violates God-given rights, it's on the wrong path, and our you know our founding document, if you will, the the one that set the tone for future governments is the Declaration, and it says the purpose of government is to secure God-given rights, and and states do not, you know, it doesn't say the purpose of the federal government is to secure God-given rights, it says government. Which means all government government at all levels, and I think the point here that we're really driving at is, remember, ladies and gentlemen, the founders were so brilliant in that they put checks and balances everywhere. And so let's not be fooled into thinking the federal government is is locked down and has checks 66 ways from Sunday, but the states have no checks. The states had plenty of checks as well uh, on purpose so that no one gets too much power. What I don't want to do is say, oh, thank heavens we saved ourselves from the feds and then end up with a tyrannical state. If we're not very careful and if we disassemble the checks and balances that our founders put in place, we will have trouble. AK 17th Amendment, to make the point, the states should have way more authority than they have, way more influence, but it would be checked by their representatives going back to Washington and hearing about what's happening in the other states and the concerns. And Anyway, there's checks and balances across the whole thing. And Lowell, to be clear, this isn't really to take you on on that point. But I think really to clarify what you mean is our goal here, which is to say, hey, we need to have transparency. We need to understand the state constitutions have incredible value and reference points for us as sovereign, as a sovereign nation and as sovereign states. We need to have uh, our state constitutions appropriately safeguard liberty as well. And a focus on that is a good thing. I agree with you. Uh, we just wanted to highlight the checks and balances point to be made as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you all on that. In fact, you hit upon one of the biggest uh, concerns 
that I have with the what they call the state sovereignty movement. You've articulated that very nicely, Scott. Um, and that is that people think that you know if if they if they what they don't realize is that state sovereignty doesn't mean that the state is sovereign. Uh, what 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 you know we say those words so often that people begin to believe oh the the state is sovereign. No, no, the state is not sovereign. The people within the state were the sovereigns, and and the reference to state sovereignty really simply means that the people of the states are sovereign. And and I, I think that way too few people understand that distinction. So I appreciate very much you're bringing that out just right out of the gate this morning. I I, I truly uh, agree with you 100. percent We we can't allow the state. Um, uh, government to to ride ride roughshod over our rights. You know they, the state and local officials. That's the jurisdictions where where uh, these things. Um, you know rights ought to be protected the most and and defended the most. And and yet we do have a, a governor who today is legislating from the executive office. He's mandating certain behavior and. Uh, and I personally think he needs to be tried for those crimes and stopped. Yeah for that abuse of power, without a doubt. Remember, all levels of government, with all of its checks and balances, remember they obtain their just power from the consent of the governed. It's delegated by us, the people, uh, the sovereigns, and in the in so much as they act within their sphere of delegated authority, uh, they do have a lot of power. But when they step outside of that sphere of delegated authority, we have nothing but trouble every time. All right, you had a second... Lowell, perhaps I can add just another little thing. Sure, to, please. Uh, piggybacking on what Lowell has said, and and um, I, I, I'm so, so glad that we're all on the same page on this thing. I think that all of us need to read the 37th Federalist Paper more often. You know, you talk about the state sovereignty uh, movement. Um, you know, is it a national government or a, a federal government? Yes. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, no. But uh, <laughs> Madison, in his brilliant, sparkling, um, wonderful presentation of that. It is a national government in some areas. It is a federal government in other areas. And these people that uh, are seeking for, quote-unquote, state sovereignty don't understand the very unique um, design of our government. The Founding Fathers understood very clearly that there were some things that had to be at the national level, solely held by them. And there were stuff that there was a federation or a um, you know, a federal government instead of a national. You see, the national government really was in all power in some areas, but not all areas. And it's a federal government in some areas, but not all areas. And read 30, 37. It, it's just brilliant. But the fact of the matter is a lot of the people that are seeking to change the Constitution through a Constitution convention are seeking to destroy that delicate, wonderful, magnificent balance that was established originally, where the founders in their wisdom said, these things are solely in the purview of the general government, if you will. That's the term they normally used was, you know, I don't want to use federal or national because I'll start an argument with somebody else. But in the hands of the general government, certain things were their purview only. The rest were retained by the states, but those states cannot overstep the bounds and say, oh, suddenly we're going to create a democracy in a state or something. You know, we have this, this Republican kind of thing out of the, out of the fourth um, article. 
But the fact of the matter is, a lot of these people that are looking to change our Constitution want to go back to failed formulas, for example, that are found in the Articles of Confederation about the state sovereignty stuff and being able to override the national government on some things. Oh, 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 I'm using the term again, general government. See, can you understand how this thing is such a magnificent balance? And, as and can, you, and can out, you understand how I suggested at the start, the propaganda here makes us deceived on what we think we're really advocating for. If you're not careful, you get divided on the federal versus the national. General and, works well for that uh, articulation. You get deceived on thinking the states have more power than they really do. All levels of government only has the power justly delegated by we the people. We'll talk about it in seconds. We'll come back, let Dr. Scott Bradley finish, and then Lowell had a second point before we get to what we, well, we want to start narrow and go broad. How's that? Hang tight. <laughs> Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Millions of Americans are hurting as COVID-19 lockdowns keep people from working and the expenses of life keep mounting. Is political motivation keeping the suffering front and center this election? USA Radio News, Tim Berg has more. Time is running out for a new coronavirus relief bill to pass before Election Day. One of the main sticking points is how much money should be going to cities and local governments. And according to Republican Senator John Thune, it's Democrats that are wanting to wait until after the election to help the American people out. Money for the post office, money for farmers. I mean, we've, we've, put, we've moved a bill on the floor now twice in the Senate, but the Democrats have blocked it. So in the end, when the smoke clears after the election, hopefully we can sit down and people can, in good faith, start to compromise. But right now, my impression is that the House Democrats and Speaker Pelosi would much rather have the issue uh, than they would have a solution. And uh, we want a solution. USA Radio News. We've all heard it. Eat healthy. But what does eating healthy mean? Sure, there are countless diets out there, but they contradict each other. Yet all experts agree we should eat a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day-to-day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only 22 cents a serving. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of a variety of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a 3 o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself by going to balanceofnature.com or by calling 1-800-246-8751 and use discount code USA. U.S. Democrat presidential challenger Joe Biden's assessment of Russia as the biggest threat to the United States national security was wrong and encouraged hatred of Russia. We absolutely do not agree, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov told reporters. We can only regret that absolute hatred of the Russian Federation is spread in this way. The FBI is reminding people that scams increase this time of year. USA Radio News, Wyatt Cox has answers. In a Saturday tweet from the FBI Las Vegas office, the Bureau identified three red flags you will see in a scam. Demanding payment via gift cards, wire transfers, internet currency, or by mailing cash to resolve an issue. Creating a sense of urgency that it must be handled now. 
and demanding secrecy from you in handling the problem. If any of these come up in a phone, email, or other private message conversation, disconnect and contact your local law enforcement office for assistance. I'm Wyatt Cox. USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, you got a square table, I guess. You got four people, Kurt Crosby, Dr. Scott Bradley, Lowell Nelson, and Sam Bushman, on your radio for a two-hour special election coverage. You know, a lot of people are going to go straight to the federal government, to the president, thinking that's the most important and the most powerful. I completely disagree. We're going to go from the very local, and we're going to roll to the federal. And the reason we're going to do that is because I really believe your local government is the most important government to you people. Uh, And I believe that the narrow focus um, is the last of focus, which means (laughs) the narrowest government, which should have tremendous powers in its narrow delegated scope, is the federal government. Let's start broad and let's go narrow. Let's start local. The best government, the government that governs closest to the people, is best. So that's why we're starting there. And you say, well, nationally and worldwide, why would you do that if it's Utah? Because I think there's principles to be taught here. All along the way, that's why. So, Dr. Bradley, let's have you finish. We cut you off. Sorry about that, sir. And then we'll go to Lowell's second point. No, it's, it's very much all right. Uh, you know, just as a kind of an observation, you know, the Founding Fathers back in the, you know, the 1760s and 70s and 80s, you know, they'd go to a tavern and, and uh, discuss openly and, and vigorously and enthusiastically concepts of government, for example. And, and by that means, uh, they were educating and lifting and, and uh, concepts were, were born that had not really been thoroughly implemented across the world. And and in so doing, they were able to bring forth this magnificent government. I think under the inspiration and guidance of God, that's how, that's how deeply I believe Amen, in these sir. principles. But I think in a way you talk about this square table, well, maybe it's kind of like sitting around the tavern table in the one of the having a discussion with a bunch of friends, and, and they remain friends always, you know, and I... And that's what we hope, and and if we attack a principle or attack a point someone's making, let's be clear, we're not attacking one another. What we're trying to do is really think through the proper role of limited constitutional government, understand that we're all aligned in our desire to preserve the sacred cause of liberty. Doctor? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that's missing in, in the modern American political dialogue is that kind of concept. We have so much polarization and acrimony that's grown out of this this uh, party concept where where really party uh, overcomes and trumps i hate to use the term trumps but i will trumps <laughs> the uh, the concept of uh, of principle you know principle over party you know that really needs to be how it's uh, approached and and the acrimony and polarization has just basically got half the country hating the other half and 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 really and truly we ought to be in this together as americans i mean uh, George Washington one night in a particularly uh, burdensome time when the battles were not going his way and and uh, he he needed he needed people of solid substance uh, that were there guarding liberty he said let none but Americans stand guard tonight i mean he didn't want people that were kind of they were they were not fully committed to the whole cause of liberty i mean you know this that there's a whole dissertation in that concept, let none but Americans stand guard tonight. And that's what we need is Americans standing guard today, now, 
and in this election. And um, hopefully we'll be able to put a little bit of uh, light and heat into this thing that will encourage that. Amen. The word party was used, and Kurt always speaks against parties. Boy, do I agree. Kurt? Well, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can emphasize it uh, any stronger than the President uh, George Washington uh, did in his uh, farewell address when he uh, warned against what was called the spirit of party. And and we see that so prevalent in our uh, in our day and time. Amen. All right, Lowell, you can <clears throat> comment on this, or you wanted to move to your second point as well. Sorry about that, sir. I think true well, education is coming out of this, though. Oh, yeah, I love the dialogue. Uh, and, and in my opinion, we're sitting at a round table. That which is our namesake of the program there, Sam. <laughs> we're four people sitting at a round table, and uh, we're loving it. Um, so my second point is just about the meaning of words. Uh, we talked about, I mean, the question was, you know, is it okay to, uh, to change the, uh, the Constitution for light and transient causes. Well, not only are we changing the Constitution uh, significantly with the, these little so-called little changes, but we're changing the meaning of words. And, and I remember a, a priesthood lesson 30, 40 years ago entitled something like, um, you know, the, adversary, uh, the adversary's plan to change the meaning of words or something like that. I don't remember the exact title. I remember the concept. Um, and that is that if he, he can change the meaning of words, uh, you know, to mean something different today than they meant something uh, in yesteryear, then he has successfully changed the document with which that document, you know, the, the, the document that was intended to safeguard our rights. Uh, for example, um, the meaning of the word gay, when I was a kid, was 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 happy and uh, joyous and and fulfilled that was the meaning of the word gay today the meaning of the word gay is is almost a sinful evil a devilish um uh you know type of word that connotes um that, that, you know, going against what you're um you're born born to be and, and so simply by changing the meaning of a word and giving it different connotation now we we've We've changed language. We've changed the foundation of our culture. Now, the example that I go to in Amendment A, for example. Uh, right, before changing... we get to Amendment A, though, <laughs> let's quickly uh, delve into this, because I think we're setting the stage nicely to really yeah. rifle through these amendments in meaningful ways, which we're going to do in just a second. But I agree with you on this language discussion. Take the word family. What does that mean? Take the word male, female. What do they mean? Take the word gender. What does it mean? Take the word national and federal, uh, as Dr. Bradley pointed out. State, federal, sovereignty. What do these words mean? And it's very, very, very important to understand. Uh, when I speak of a word and when the liberals or extremes in America speak of words, we're not even really having the same discussion, ladies and gentlemen, about what those words mean. For example, pro-choice. What does that mean? Well, to the pro-deathers, it just means, hey, you have the right to choose to murder your child. Other than that, there's no choice about it. They don't believe in choice. They're socialist and communist. And, hey, your choice is dissolved in the, quote, sea of the whole, right? And so then you got to say, well, what's individual versus groupthink versus progressivism? And you get into this whole rabbit trail of Confucianism. And, and I, I think that uh, Lowell Nelson is spot on on this point, Dr. Bradley. 
Well, I, I agree completely. I mean, the, the, those that seek to control the lexicon or language uh, are seeking to modify it, and and it's very interesting that uh, um, I, I'll just give you a quotation from Thomas Jefferson. He said, "Laws are made for men of ordinary understanding, and should therefore be construed by the ordinary rules of common sense. Their meaning is not to be sought for in a metaphysical subtleties." which may make anything mean everything or nothing at pleasure. The words have meanings. That's the bottom line. I mean, end, end of quote, was it pleasure? But the point of the matter is, words... Not only do they have meanings, Dr. Bradley, but they have historical context that's they do, really they important can only as mean, well. They can only mean what they meant in the day they were written. And if, if you say anything other than that, you violate all logic, reason, and intelligence. And the fact of the matter is is there's a definite effort nowadays to control this and spin them into the, the definitions that they would prefer to have them, uh, democracies and republics, for example. I mean, there's a, there's a world of difference between those things. And, and the fact is that today, the, the uh, people that are controlling the political dialogue, and it's not just political, it's, it's all across the spectrum, but in the world we're talking about right now, they have sought to change it so that if, if these words can mean anything or nothing, then we have no constitution. We have no foundation upon which to build. We are no longer a people bound by God's laws because we have modified them by our definitions. It's just bizarre to me. But that's where we're going. That is absolutely where we're going. With well, this and then nation somebody right will now. say, if I challenge this democracy statement, then they'll go, well, I just mean we have a democratic republic. And then I would again say, uh, no, again, that's not correct. That's the point I'm getting at. We have a constitutional right. republic, ladies and gentlemen. That means we look towards a document that separates power, that acknowledges that its power is derived from the consent of the governed, that understands the differences and meanings of words and terms. And they're not just a word to be defined at the moment. They're a word that has uh, historical connotations. They're a word that literally means certain principles. Okay, principles uh, are not to be lightly changed. Okay, they're principles that are correct, are based on eternal law. Okay, you, you know, what you the, can't do is escape this eternal law or pointing to the author of our liberty. You sever that, and you've got nothing, Doctor. Two more quick statements by Jefferson. I mean, I look at people that are a lot more wise than I, and, and this one he stated, The Constitution on which our union rests shall be administered by me according to the safe and honest meaning contemplated by the plain understanding of the people of the United States at the time of its adoption, a meaning to be found in the explanations of those who advocated, not those who opposed it. These explanations are preserved in the publications of the time. That's what we're trying to do is advocate that concept. The other statement we'll have to wait till after the break, maybe, if we you can get got it. To we'll it. do it in seconds. The next statement, and then Lowell Nelson will start on discussing the proposed changes to the Utah State Constitution. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? 
The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, Dr. Scott Bradley, Lowell Nelson, Kirk Crosby, Sam Bushman, sitting at the Liberty Round Table, discussing the sacred cause. That is the cause of liberty. You cannot separate that cause from the author, God, who's the author of our liberty. You just can't do it. I was making that point, and then you had some quotes. We had one quote. The second one is just as instructive, Dr. Bradley. Well, this was 197 years ago when... Uh... Uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote this, and uh, I believe it needs to be reconsidered today. I think it's timeless knowledge. It said, on every question of construction, let us carry ourselves back to the time when the Constitution was adopted, recollect the spirit manifested in the debates, and instead of trying what meaning may be squeezed out of the text or invented against it, conform to the probable one in which it was passed. End quote. I mean, it's kind of like, okay. I'm done. We're good. Let's uh, let's just go back to what it really meant, and uh, and we are just trying to squeeze anything we can out of the text or invent it. But let's you know? be very clear: only a moral, uh, only a God-fearing people who have a tremendous respect for the Creator, the Author of our liberty. Those are the only people that can really step back and put themselves in the Founder's shoes and say, "Okay, what was the intent here?" I don't believe any other is able to accomplish such a task. And it doesn't require um, incredible brilliance. The average farmer can understand it. What it does require, though, is a, a humility, a dependence on God Almighty, an understanding and a desire for morality and goodness and honor and integrity, um, etc. And not to desire for power, but to desire to pull it down, to understand the checks and balances is a meaningful way to say, hey, our only aim <clears throat> is to allow people to remain free. That's a very, very difficult task. So, you know, folks, we recommend we change our state constitution and or our federal constitution only when truly necessary to ensure our liberties. Now, that's a very, very, very rare situation. Wouldn't you say, Lowell? Yeah, I would. And I very much appreciate uh, uh, Dr. Bradley's last point, which was uh, one that I was going to make. 
uh, if he didn't, uh, which is, uh, you know, we should interpret the Constitution as it was understood by those who ratified it. Not, you know, not even by those who wrote it, but, but those who ratified the document. That's why the ratifying debates are so important. Um, and, 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 you know, some, some people think that a textualist, you know, what does the what do the words mean, you know, is, is the way to interpret the Constitution? I don't believe that at all. We need to understand the Constitution as it was understood at the time it was ratified, because that's, and, and, and you're right, you have to have a mindset. You have to understand the mindset of the ratifiers in those ratifying debates and of the, of the gentleman in the, uh, the convention in 1787. If you don't understand their mindset, then you really cannot understand what they were trying to do as they put together this republic of republics, so to speak. So, yeah, great point on that. Thank you. All right, let's talk you about – <clears throat> go ahead, Doctor. Well, I was going to say, it's, it's, <laughs> you wouldn't get out in the weeds really big on, this, uh, on discussions of this, but it is interesting what Lowell just said. If you look at what was passed by the, uh, on the 26th of September – 1789, as a, as a part of, there were 10 proposed amendments passed, no, excuse me, 12, that, that were forwarded to the states for ratification. Ten of them came back as ratified. It took a couple hundred more years for one of the other ones to get ratified. We still got one out there that isn't. But the point of the matter is that it's, uh, that Lowell was pointing out, there were three commas in the uh, Second Amendment, what, what became the Second Amendment. It, 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 it really was the Fourth Amendment. But I mean, proposed amendment, but it became our second amendment, the right to keep bare arms. And the, the part that was passed by the uh, House and the Senate was there were three commas. There is one comma in what was ratified by the states. Now, that's an interesting thing, but I prefer the reading of the one comma. It makes it so much more clear. It makes, uh, and, and it was what was ratified. Now, of course, the way that it has been judged by uh, a couple of uh, hundred years of experience is that they're both okay, it's all right, it's fine. But the state sent back a ratified amendment with only one with only one comma, which in my mind clarifies uh, the exact purposes of the right to keep and bear arms much more clearly than the one with three commas in. So anyway, as Lowell points out, I mean, what, did the, what were the people thinking that and ratified the, And this sounds states? like a simple thing, but it shows their intent. That's the that's the reason that this matters. It shows their intent for clarity and their intent for simplicity, but tremendous understanding of principle uh, along the way. That was the real goal here, right? Yeah, uh, it, and and really and truly, the cause of liberty was what was at stake and in heart of all the people. And I mean, it's it's amazing to me. I believe God raised up these men for this very purpose. They were the best men on the earth, in my opinion. Were they perfect? They were not. Are any mortals perfect? We are not. The only one is our Savior, of course, that's walked the uh, mortal path here on this earth. But but I believe that they had wisdom beyond what... I cannot think of a single solitary politician today that could stand in their shadow. I really can't. It's just bizarre to me to think that... Uh, that we would turn a constitution over to these kinds of scoundrels to rewrite them when, when they don't understand the nuances of why these delicate balances were woven by 
the wisdom of ages and the wisdom of, of uh, inspiration, I believe. So, anyway, yeah, right. I, so I get critical, far So critical, we don't reinvent the wheel, that we return to what made America great. That's why we talk about restoration as opposed to revolution or as opposed to any other radical plan. Look, is the Constitution perfect? No. Are the people that created it perfect? No. Are we that are going to carry it out perfect? Far from. However, is it the best we have that has tried and true evidence of a successful experiment without a doubt and there's nothing that compares uh, whatsoever now let's talk about in utah usually they put one or two amendments on the ballot this time they've gone crazy they've got seven of them lol <laughs> yes that's right sam seven a b through g a b c d e f g and uh the very first one uh, com- uh amendment a uh talks about um Changing, uh, uh, well, uh, words in about six different provisions of the uh, the Constitution. Uh, they want to change men to persons. They, they, the word men to persons, the word persons. Now, um, they, they want to do this because they today's meaning of the word men is different than the meaning of the word men 100 years ago. When, when Utah became a, a state, I guess. Was well, and a thousand years ago, because remember, men in the Bible <laughs> referred to mankind. Yeah. Uh, so it's biblically based the way it is now. What they want to do is change it to instead of saying he or men or meaning mankind, they want it to be some nebulous, gender neutral. <sighs> What'll be next? Change every book? Change every. Okay. We need to understand the intent, which was, we're talking about mankind. We're talking about the children of God. You first, Lowell, then Dr. Bradley. Right. And so the example I want to highlight out of this one change, it's going to change six different places, but the one that I want to point at and focus my opposition toward is this one. Um, The phrase, this is the phrase, quote, a wife shall not be compelled to testify against her husband, comma, nor a husband against his wife, end quote. They want to change that to read the following, quote, a person shall not be compelled to testify against the person's spouse, end quote. Now, the first phrase clearly differentiates between a, a husband and a wife. The second phrase does not, and therefore it takes us further down this path of gender neutrality, where you cannot determine, you you can't say whether a spouse is male or female. You know, given one, you don't know what the other is. And this is uh, is wrong-headed, in my opinion. God made man and woman, right? Male and female created he them. And changing our language in this manner, I believe, is meant to frustrate the purposes of God. It, It will more easily allow men to marry men and women to marry women, which in God's plan makes no sense. And for men to masquerade as women and women to masquerade as men, pretending doesn't make it so. Doctor? Well, absolutely. There's a gender bender factor in this thing all the way through. And um, and in, in terms of definitions, I want to touch upon something out of uh, a law that was passed in 1973 to say how they're redefining even person. But uh, so the old English, and, and, and we could really get off long term on this thing too, and I know we've got to move on to a lot, but in the old English, each noun had a kind of a grammatical gender. 
And and so in, in the modern English, it doesn't. And clear back in, in 1745, uh, a female, a woman, uh, wrote, her name was Ann Fisher, she wrote a grammar book called The New Grammar, in which they stylized things to be this he and him as being inclusive of, of both men and women. And we could go to the Constitution, we could learn um, how the president is always a he, but that nobody's ever said, well, that means a woman can't be and everything like that. I mean, there's so many things that are wrong-headed about this, and I've just barely touched upon it, but let me give you the definition of a term, person, out of the um, Endangered Species Act of 1973. It means, this is right out of the act, an individual, corporation, partnership, trust, association, or any other private entity, or any officer, employee, agent, department, or instrumentality of the federal government, of any state, municipality, or political subdivision of a state, or any foreign government, any state, municipality, or political subdivision of a state, or any other entity subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Huh? Huh? I mean, it's it like, doesn't even so, have to be a he, a male, or a human, and it doesn't I, even have to be male in characteristic anymore. It it is so bizarre what we do when we start redefining these terms. And I just bring that out to say, what the heck are we doing? I mean, this has been, you know, you look clear back at, at uh, 1745. It was standardized. The Constitution has been standardized. It has been used all those centuries with the idea of we all understand it. And now, because there's a gender-bender factor that's involved in this thing, and and we are now have to become politically correct and acceptable to all, and, uh, you know, the United States Constitution is definitely not um, conforming to this new standard. Well, it's it's kind of a whole bucket of worms and a, a just a whole, you start pulling on a string, and pretty soon there's a whole bunch of problems with it. I absolutely unequivocally oppose this. I think that it has become a feel-good kind of thing. And as you look through the Constitution, as Lowell points out, there's some, some head All right, scratches. We're out of, we're out out of time thing. this hour. Dr. Bradley, you're saying unequivocally no. So are you, right, Lowell? Correct. Unequivocally no. And I'm saying no without reservation. No doubt about it. Absolutely not. Do not change this one. Vote no. Kurt, are you a no or a yes? Well, I gotta go along with you guys, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an all four in the panel. No, absolutely not. That's hour one, hour two. We'll drill more into the quote proposed changes to the Utah Constitution. Look at your own Constitution in every state, ladies and gentlemen. Are they proposing craziness like this as well? Well, pay attention, listen to reason and logic, understand your founding fathers and their intent. Get on your knees and pray for moral guidance, and get up and make wise choices based on God-ordained principles, would you please? For Lol Sam, Kurt, and Dr. Bradley, God save the Republic. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. This is a two-hour special broadcast. This is the broadcast for October the 26th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is hour two of two. Dr. Scott Bradley with us. His website, ladies and gentlemen, freedomsizingsun.com, weekly webinars, and a whole lot more. His collegiate series available there as well. 
Q&A is on the Constitution. It just gets better from there. To Preserve the Nation, the name of its Allegiance series and his goal. Freedomsrisingsun.com, the website. Now, Lowell Nelson's with us as well. Campaign for Liberty, campaignforliberty.org. Ron Paul Institute.org. Uh, normally, Mondays, Lowell's with us first hour. Dr. Bradley's with us second hour. But we're doing a two-hour, all four of us, effort here today. And we insist we change our state constitutions, or the federal constitution for that matter, only when absolutely, truly necessary to preserve our liberties. So last hour we talked about the seven amendments they're proposing for the state constitution in Utah. Now this applies to you. Look in your own state constitutions and find out what they're trying to change. Be very, very aware of manipulated word usage. Okay? Be very aware that they're playing games with the words. It sounds good when you read it. You go, wow, why wouldn't I be for that? When you dig into the details, nine times out of ten, you find out it's something a whole lot more sinister than at first glance it might appear. So the first one, A, said, hey, should we make everything more gender neutral? Absolutely not. All four of us doubled down in saying no to Amendment 1, or A. Do you want to do B, Dr. Bradley? I don't know if I, I mean, uh, you guys can start it if you want, but let me just take a little, uh, there's a statement or an aphorism, uh, trust but verify. My aphorism is a modification of that, distrust until verified. And and I look at things uh, in these amendments, for example, is if there's a compelling reason, I, I would like to be made aware of the compelling reason. I would like to be able to analyze and discuss and review and consider that compelling reason. But what we are given so often in these situations is, uh, she'll be right, mate. I mean, as they say down in uh, Australia, this this idea of trust, but verify, nobody ever verifies. And so we trust, and we go down that path, and we get we get thrown off the tracks. Well, I'd say, well, let's do a deep analysis of anything before we, we take the leap. And and I don't believe that most people, you know, Lowell at the beginning of the first hour talked about how most people are so ignorant of, of the current situation that, you know, it's great. They're starting to read them now a little bit. That's, that's wonderful. But sometimes, and I'll, I'll use an example of when I was a kid, and I've maybe done this on the show before, uh, when I was six years old, I got lost. My first impression was run. I followed that impression. It did not make it right. It made the situation worse. You don't get better by falling down the river and the briars and the brambles and all that kind of stuff. First, you've got to get direction, and then you've got to get velocity. And most people today start running before they know the direction. And that's kind of where we are, whether it's a Constitution Convention uh, proposal or, or whether it's amendment proposals. And so I guess I'm just um, a little baffled uh, that suddenly, holy cow, we've got seven new amendments we want to... Uh, and I would project in Utah that they will probably almost all pass. I will make a blanket statement. My position normally on amendments is... If they're proposed, vote against them until you come up with a very compelling reason. And, and I just normally can't come up with that. So I guess as a blanket statement, I'd say my first impression would be, let's sit down and look at our back trail and decide why we're doing this. And let's not start running off uh, changing the Constitution for life. Amen to that. Purposes. By the way, I'm voting no on every single one of them to make your point. But let's go over B really quick, Lowell. Do you have a summary of that? Yeah, this is the one where uh, we want to make the age uh, uh, a person must be a certain age in order to run for the state legislature.
fight or, or win a seat in the state legislature. There's ambiguity today. It's not certain. The, the, the language doesn't say whether he has to be 25 by the time of the election or by the time he files or by the time of the primary or by the time he takes office. That's simply not clear. And that ambiguity has caused some people problems. In Davis County last year, or last cycle, apparently, a candidate applied to run prior to his 25th birthday, but he was turning 25 by the election. But in Davis County, they said, sorry, buddy, you, you're not 25, you can't run. Um, and so they didn't allow him to run. So this particular change is a clarification um, that I think is appropriate. Uh, whether it belongs in the Constitution, that's another matter. I would prefer that these kinds of things not belong in the Constitution because, you know, they, they uh, you know, I, I think the Constitution really ought to be, be the, the body of language that, uh, you know, talks about rights and, and so forth, not the, the mundane. But nevertheless, I do agree in concept that we need to know what we mean when we say that a candidate must be 25 years of age in order to, to take office. And so this simply clarifies that he will turn 25 by either on or by the day of the election. If you turn 25 by then, then you may run. Are you a yes or no on this one? I'm a yes. All right. I'm a no. And the reason I would is tell me what the Constitution says really quick. Do you, do you have it okay. handy? Yeah. It says this. Um, it, it says it simply doesn't include a, uh, a phrase about the time of election or appointment. It says this, a person is not eligible to the office of senator or representative unless the person is, number one, a citizen of the United States, number two, at least 25 years of age, and number three, a qualified voter in the district from where the uh, All right, from which so, the so person is So let me stop you there. Voting. I think it's very yeah. clear. I can run for anything I want to if I'm not 25. Uh, the fact is, though, if I'm not 25 by the time I'm ready to take the oath of office, I simply can't do it because I don't qualify. So I think it's incredibly clear. Just personally, uh, that's what I say. And I think what we're trying to do, if we're not very careful here, is we're going to say, well, we're going to clarify this. We're going to clarify that. And pretty soon you're going to get 1,000 pages. Five thousand. You're going to get a tax code. I'm joking a little bit, but making the point of uh, details and manipulations. And if you can change it for one reason, then, well, by golly, I think it should be 30. Or someone else says, I think it should have this requirement. I think it should have this litmus test. I think it should, and you're off to the races. Um, whenever you try, it's like trying to qualify, um, explain the Second Amendment. The more you write about it, the, the more off the rails you become. The more you get so wordy pretty soon, we're not even looking at the original document for our guidance. We're looking at the, quote, regulatory explanations of what the document was supposed to say. And if you know it, you're just right out into the weeds. Doctor, what do you say? Well, again, I, I think that it would, should write okay the way it is. I mean, I look at uh, what's in Article One, Section 2, Clause 2 uh, in our Constitution, the National Constitution, and, and it's... Uh, I guess you could clarify that a little bit, too, if you wanted. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's needful, but, um, you know, I, I can feel for this individual, that the Davis County people. I suspect there was an undertone uh, of another uh, justification for what they did. I think there was an agendized kind of thing. You know, yeah, I think don't that, let this person win, period. Let's use a technicality against them. And that's what will right. happen if we regulate and write these in details. Pretty soon you'll be living on technicalities and living on manipulated language, not on the intent. And the bottom line is if this person is ready to swear an oath and take the office because they won and they're 25 and doing so, then they're good to go. And if they're not, they're not. This is very clear. Yeah. 
You know, I, I look at uh, the qualifications for the United States president, for example. I tend to be on the looking at the federal level. That tends to be an area I've focused in my life an awful lot. But, but this this bizarre requirement that they're gonna they gotta show their tax returns before you know anything. It, it's simply another. Uh, they're putting another qualification there that doesn't really exist, and I think it's pretty clear. Uh, what, what, when you can be president, when you can't, and there is no tax return requirement, and pretty soon we start dinking around with uh, all sorts of, well, let's hold our mouth just this way, and, and if not, we can't be that and everything. Um, so, you know, I can see uh, the time coming when people are trying to modify the United States Constitution, or at least legislative require uh, a tax return uh uh, submission before anybody can run for president. It's like, no, wait a minute. This, this is this is what the rule is, and this is what we go by. We're okay. Let's live by it. If you're I mean, not careful, all. we end up with the ideas of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. If we're not very, very careful indeed, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the problem uh, that I have. So you know, I get if people say yes on that one, but I would be very careful because I think you're opening up a can of worms. Uh, do you have a comment on this one, Kurt? You voting yes or no? I'm a no. I think I'll uh, I'm going to get a couple of ballots uh, on this one and just vote <laughs> yes and no, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, don't I mean, because I could print up a couple of, you know, good points. Yeah. All right. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we all knew that? Hey, you know, there was an election day, and um, you know, I was watching the Battle of Athens um, over the weekend. Um, maybe some you were there. Watched it. <laughs> No, I, I watched it, the actual, uh, you know, it's an old movie, a black and white film. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, Athens, Georgia. Athens, Georgia. That's right, Battle of okay, Athens. Okay, okay, okay. And, and, and I, did, I did watch some of what's going on in the Battle of Utah and, you know, where you've got this kind of uh, these Trump trains uh, showing up and that kind of thing. And, and uh, uh, as I began to set up, I guess you could say, my little part of the Battle of Athens thing on Saturday. The local uh, reporter from the Deseret News came and had some questions for me, just trying to figure out, well, what what is all this? You know, why do people buy these flags and these signs and wear these hats, even at the peril of, well, in some cases, their lives? Um, and I, it just made me think of the... Uh, days of Ron Paul when, you know, he was asked, what's what's the big hullabaloo about all this? And he said, well, freedom is popular. There you have it. <clears throat> Lowell, we'll give you a quick chance to respond before we go to see. We're not trying to attack your view. If you think yes is the right way, by all means, that's what America is about. I have my concerns, though, that, you know what? The second you open up a can of worms to the likes of the people we see today, look out, baby. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win they lose nothing less big q little q the calm before the storm by a friend of megagoria the strategy of heaven revealed big q little q 
The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheepherder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, Dr. Scott Bradley, Lowell Nelson, Sam Bushman, Kirk Crosby in the roundtable talking about Utah's constitutional amendments on the ballot. There's seven of them. we got to speed up a little bit. I'm not doing a good job at pacing us here. <laughs> We're only on the second one, but I would vote no for the reasons we articulated. Lowell would vote yes. Kirk's going to vote both, and uh, Dr. Bradley's a no. And um, so I wanted to give you a Quick chance to respond on this, Lowell. Your thoughts? Well, it's uh, you know, Kurt. Another option for Kurt would be simply not to vote. I, I do know some people who are not going to vote yes or not going to vote no, but they're simply not going to vote on some of these, and that's that's one way you can express your lack of support for it or your indifference about it. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm not a strong yes on this. I'd be okay with it uh, with the change simply because of the. The ambiguity that it uh, removed from the Constitution in, my, in an ideal world, the people in Davis County would have read this the way you, re- Sam, read it, and the way you read it, Scott, and, and they would have said, look, you know, he, he, let's go ahead and let him go through the election process. If he wins, he will be 25 by the time he, time he takes office in January following the election, so he's fine. You know, it clearly that's says, that's, you know, hey, take office. Yep. You can't take yep. office unless you're 25. Now, if he's not 25, when he's ready to go ahead and do the oath, then he's got a problem. And tell then, hey, leave the guy alone. What are you trying to do? Manipulate the election? See, the problem is, if that's am, if that's ambiguous or ambiguous, uh, then will the language that we rewrite to supposedly solve it become more? ambiguous um if we change it once will we change it 10 times when will it end when will we agree see we won't as the people become more immoral and in reality sam they're actually chopping off a few about a month of time maybe two months time because see november the first tuesday in november comes a couple of months before he's actually sworn into office so it's actually limiting this 25 year old instead of having Instead of being 25 years old, but at the time he takes office, it, it, it now requires that he, he be about 25 years and two months old before he takes office. 
by the introduction of yeah, the Yeah, and then we'll play so, games and say, by golly, people vote early now, too. And so you got to be 25 before the early voting starts. And when will yeah. this end? And it's disaster. I'm telling you right now. Write it down and remember who warned you 10 years later. Number, or let's do C now, Lowell. Uh, C is the, um, the one about slavery and involuntary servitude. Uh, I'm a no on this, even though I think the, I think this probably will receive the most votes in in support of it because nobody wants to be a racist, nobody wants to be for slavery. Well, I read this particular amendment. It actually takes a phrase about except as punishment for crime, and moves it down into a second sentence. So this is all a big facade, guys. Basically, they want the, the, the people, the authors of this amendment, want to be able to say that Utah does not support slavery or involuntary servitude, when in reality, they simply move this as except as punishment for a crime down into a second sentence. And they say this, subsection 1 does not apply to the otherwise lawful administration of the criminal justice system. So basically, we're going to be able to crow about the fact that we have no slavery or involuntary servitude in the state of Utah if you read the first phrase, but then you read the second phrase, in which no, nobody will do, of course, and that's wherein it, it, it's legal for the criminal justice system to put people out in chain gangs, picking up trash in the garbage, and so forth. And um, But we're going to play so games we were, with the words, they're not really slaves, they're just people in prison uh, forced to do a service, but it's not really slavery, yeah. okay? You know exactly. That? Okay, it's all dishonest. It's all deception. There's not slavery allowed in the United States. There's not slavery in Utah. There hasn't been forever because Utah was a territory before then. Anyway, long story short, um, you know what? This is a non-issue. They're using it for political brownie points to say, you know what? I'm uh, against uh, you know the whites and the slavery and everything else. It's nothing but a race to the finish line of who can be more politically correct based on deceptive language. Now, the truth is, I'm against slavery. I don't believe somebody should be forced. Uh, but you know what? When somebody's in prison, you know, is it a blessing to be able to go out and work or just rot in your cell? You know, so we can debate that all day long, but it really is a manipulation to to drag this into the slavery argument. I'm voting an absolute no on this because I think, again, where will it end? What language will be next? You know, uh, husbands won't be slaves to their wives. Okay, where do we go? Wait a minute. You can't use husband and wife. A person won't be a slave to a person. Uh, and so you can be a slave to a corporation because now we're going to define persons as corporate. I mean, where does it end? And you get into the sea of confusion. Look, the intent of God is to say this. You should never lord over somebody in an unrighteous dominion way, period. Call it whatever you choose. Kurt, then doctor. Well, I don't really know what to add here, Sam, uh, you know, um, and uh, as it seems like, uh, you know, when I look at uh, the little Constitution book that I hand out to people, uh, and then I, well, every so often, I dare to look at, for example, the IRS code book or the, uh, um, you know, the Code of Federal Re Regulations or, you know, even maybe... <laughs> Try to stack it up with your local and state governments, uh, all this. Uh, you know, it seems to me, once again, we've come from the uh, Ten Commandments, if you will, uh, to the Ten Trillion Commandments. And and uh, it doesn't seem like we're headed in the right direction in, in so many areas, except uh, I will say this. Uh, once again, uh, <laughs> I'm 
so refreshed to learn that the uh, president, in his efforts to uh, minimize the swamp, if you will, or kind of drain the swamp, uh, at least to try to do that, has gotten rid of eight regulations for every new one. Uh, it just seems like we need so much more, and I don't know for sure um, if, you know, if in our effort to do this, at the same time we continue to kill babies uh, right and left, um, you know, in Utah as well as across the country, um, if we'll be able to garner the blessings of God when we continue to break his commandments. Amen. The babies will never be slaves because we murdered them, sadly, to say, uh, there you have it. I don't want them to be murdered and I don't want them to be slaves. But again, I'm a slave to the income tax and a slave to the property tax. When will they set me free, doctor? You know, uh, it, it is a feel-good effort. The Article 1, Section 21 in the Utah Constitution is an uncanny resemblance to the 13th Amendment in the United States Constitution. But uh, this is a, oh, I don't know, a thought-provoking, hopefully, statement. You guys have all mentioned some of these other uh, egregious things that have been oppressing us. But I would say that uh, the both Article 1, Section 21 and the 13th Amendment are being violated by conscription, which will someday return, and we are on the cusp of setting up uh, so that uh, our daughters, our wives, our sisters, whomever, when the next draft occurs, will be subject to that enslavement to the state, the national government, meaning the government. When we go to conscription again, why is it why is it that we can enslave people against their will in voluntary servitude with a draft when our you know constitution and the state constitution both prohibit it, but because it's to a government entity, it's okay, but if an individual were to buy a person, it's not okay. Now, I'm not saying it should be okay in either instance, but what I'm saying is... You're making a point that why does the collective have more power than the individual, uh, which doesn't make any constitutional sense or any moral sense either. It it absolutely is the condition, and I believe that when the girls get put on that, they have to register for the draft. That's going to be the, the first step that takes. It'll happen after the election, I'm predicting probably after the new Congress is seated. But it will happen after the election. Then if we get to the point that they decide, oh, my goodness, we hate to do this, but, you know, by golly, we've got this horrid thing going on in the Middle East. We're going to have to draft people. Oh, my golly, girls are going to be in that. When we start sending girls home in body bags and in pieces, I hope that somewhere, somehow, some way, America starts to wake up. It's bad enough. It's horrid that we do that to our boys. But the fact of the matter is that we're going to do it as a conscription, involuntary, servitude kind of thing, in spite of what our constitutions say. Just food for thought, because I think we're on the very verge of that. Unfortunately, I concur, and that's my point. I'm a slave to these taxes that are unconstitutional. They're direct. They should be indirect by nature. Uh, I'm against uh, slavery in all forms, a thousand percent, but yet we're playing games with words while we allow slavery to continue. Um, and it's a sad tale to tell. It's almost like a mother owns her baby so she can just snuff out life with no accountability uh, as well. Is that a form of slavery? You know, where do we go with this? I appreciate the idea that we want to reject slavery, but I think this language uh, doesn't do any good. It just manipulates the game even further, and it will be used against us. Uh, Lol, quickly, yes or no? 
I'm a no. A no. We'll let you have comments coming out of the break. Then we'll move straight to the next couple. One is relating to fishing. The other one related to water. We'll talk about them both in seconds. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is set to become the ninth justice on the Supreme Court Monday. The Senate is expected to confirm her to the high court in a vote Monday evening, probably about 7.26 p.m. Eastern. A simple majority of the 100-member chamber will have to vote in favor of her nomination. If so, Justice Barrett is likely to be sworn in as soon as Monday or Tuesday. Tropical Storm Zeta formed over the weekend in the Gulf of Mexico and is expected to develop into a Category 1 hurricane by late Monday. It should make landfall between Florida's western panhandle and western Louisiana later in the week. Zeta is the 27th named storm of the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. Cooler waters near the Gulf Coast and an increase in wind shear could allow for some weakening before Zeta makes landfall. Still, the National Hurricane Center cautions... Even strong tropical storms can produce a significant storm surge, rainfall, and wind impacts. USA Radio News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change. Not like this, not since I've been on Balance of Nature. I used to take prescription medication for uh, muscle aches and stuff. I don't take that anymore. I wish I'd have started it back when I first heard about it on the radio. And if I can give Balance of Nature any advice, keep it out on the radio because I still hear these commercials from time to time and I'm thinking, you know, you people need to listen up. I mean, I'm over 50 and, you know, your body starts wearing down. But Balance of Nature has literally changed my life. It really has. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. VP Mike Pence on 60 Minutes. Trusting the American people to do what's right. That's what Vice President Mike Pence says is the best way to deal with the coronavirus. He told CBS's 60 Minutes that he and the president believe Americans will do what's right when it comes to Thanksgiving gatherings. Families may make a decision that, that certain elderly family members might take a pass. But, but I think the difference between President Trump and me and and some of the public voices in this debate over the last year has been we trust the American people. When asked about reopening schools, Pence said the administration is dedicated to getting schools all of the testing and protective equipment they need to run classes safely, adding that students and parents should follow local health recommendations. I think they should adhere to whatever criteria the school administrators and local health officials determine to be appropriate. But really, again, I want to say the American Academy of Pediatricians made it clear early on that Distance learning, this online learning, is no substitute for being in the classroom. USA Radio News. All right, Lowell Nelson, quickly, any comment on the sea slavery one? Um, I wanted. Uh, Scott, if, uh, what, what's that quote, Scott, where uh, corrupt people require um, a thousand regulations or a thousand laws 
whereas a well, uh, virtuous people don't? Yeah, the uh, Ben Frank, perhaps you're talking about the Ben Franklin uh, statement about uh, as we become more corrupt and vicious, we need more, more uh, mm. uh, leaders. And I, I can find that very quickly for you if you're interested. But, uh, but no, really, we do seem to be that way where uh, we're, we're looking for more regulation about everything constantly and all the time, you know. And if you comment, I'll probably have that just in mere moments for you. All right. So let's look at D and E. Um, water rights is D. Fishing is E. Let's kind of talk about it both together a little bit. Um, first off, D, lol. Right. The water rights thing. Today, currently, uh, cities may not sell water, excess water that they have. They may not sell or trade their water rights to surrounding communities. Um, or districts uh, that could use the water, although in practice that's actually what happens. So the municipalities today are actually doing what the Constitution forbids. <clears throat> and so this uh, change, <clears throat> excuse me, is supposed to uh, bring into bring the Constitution in conformity with practice. And of course, that's no way to run a Constitution or to run a state, but that's that's what's happening here. Now, what I believe will happen, unfortunately, is that if a city begins to sell its water rights to other um, municipalities or surrounding jurisdictions, you know, that would be okay because it, it is a sharing of the water. But what I think is going to happen is that is that the city in, in which I live, Highland, for example, might sell some of its water to, to Lehigh and then find itself short. And when Highland then finds itself short because it sold too much of its water, uh, to, to Lehi, then it's going to raise taxes on Highland people to, to buy more water for itself, having already sold at a lower price the water to the, yeah, the surrounding cities. So I, I believe this is a slippery slope. I mean, I, I wish that cities would abide by the Constitution. They're not doing it today, and there's no penalty for their failure to abide by the Constitution. But if the cities truly sell only excess water, water that they have in excess of what they need, then then I'm okay with this. But I just All fear right, so that are they you won't a yes or a no? So I'm okay with this. I probably won't vote on this one. All right. Um, what do you, Kurt, yes or no? Hmm, I'll probably do, um, you know, the old um, no. I'm, well, I'm. what I'm saying is I won't vote on it, you know. Okay. Uh, I'm going to vote no one. on it. I'm going to vote on all of them. Uh, and I'm going to vote no. And the reason that I am is because I believe that the water in Utah is a disaster already. And what we have is too much corporate and government control of water as it is. It's all in favor of the collective as opposed to the individual. Other states deal with this and manage this much better, in my opinion. We've got way too many regulations going on. And what this does is just, you could say that it opens it up, but what it does is it gets more government municipalities fighting over the water. And the person, the individual, the people who really use and need water on a daily basis are left holding the bag. So I'm going to vote no. Dr. Bradley, yes or no on the water rights. Well, I, I think that, no, uh, it's a, one of those things that uh, I think Lowell nuanced uh, exactly what will probably happen, because uh, ultimately and finally there will be a, a claim upon the water based upon who is now receiving it, based upon their reallocation uh, of it, which will in turn cause a, a further muddying because there will be a prior claim that they can't go against, and it is going to be a mess. And by the way, Utah did mess up its water laws about 100 years ago. The, it was foolishly uh, realigned uh, for all the purposes that you just mentioned, Sam. 
you look at Idaho, for example, it's a much more reasonable approach to, to water law. And, um, and I think Utah is just going to cause further uh, problems by taking it down this path because it, will, it, it really will cause allocations to be, uh, uh, you know, basically a city will say, wait, 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 you, you, you arranged for us to have this water and we've done our development based upon the water we've got and now you're telling us we can't get it. There'll be all sorts of disasters and problems with it. Let's just follow the Constitution. But I wish we'd fix Utah's water law back to what it was 150 years ago, not what it is now that they messed it up 100 years ago. And we so, could go on about this for hours in explanation and historical relevance, but the, simply way to, the simple way to say it is this. Instead of individuals being able to use water as they need and as they see fit, we have given the corporations and governments absolutely dictatorial control, and therefore we literally have millions of acres of land that is absolutely worthless because you can't get a drop of water to it, period, end of paragraph. The dictators say no, and that's the end of that, and that's the problem with it. So I'm voting no on this because I think it's just a lateral sideways manipulation, and it'll just get more people fighting over water. Uh, it won't resolve water rights problems at all. Uh, what we need to do is, is, is spin the clock back over 100 years to even get started uh, on the proper way to deal with that precious commodity. And the answer is not always giving it to government for complete dict- dictatorial control. All right, Amendment E, this is about fishing, Lowell? Yeah, uh, the right to hunt and fish. They want to enshrine in the Constitution the public's right to hunt and fish and uh, let that be the way that they um, harvest or, or control the game populations. They, you know, uh, you don't want too many deer, you don't want too many elk. Well, you know, open it up and let the hunters uh, harvest uh, those animals uh, so that we don't overpopulate and overgraze you know, our ranges. So, yeah, hunt and fish... Uh, I don't know that, I mean, I think it's important that we preserve the right to, to, to harvest game and so forth, but I'm not certain that this uh, should be in the Constitution. I mean, yes or no maybe a on bl- this one? <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, maybe you guys can persuade me. I was not going to vote on this one. but maybe I'm going to vote absolutely vote resounding no, because no, what they're going to do is play <clears throat> games and pretend they're giving you a right. Eventually they'll manipulate it, and you'll end up with nothing but a god ignored government granted privilege reject it ladies and gentlemen uh kurt you want to speak on this hunting one i know you're a massive hunter so let's get you in on this one yeah i uh i will say i'm pretty much like lowell just said he is but i can be uh you know um what not coerced uh, into voting but uh for it you know i mean in other words no uh but i uh, you know, I don't feel strongly about it right now. All right. I'm a no because I believe they'll turn it right into a privilege. Doctor? You know, it's. Uh, I spoke to someone the other day that uh, believes that it may be being put in there to prevent PETA or somebody else coming along and saying you can't hunt. And that may be an ulterior thing that's not readily apparent to any of us. But but I do believe that there's so many undertoes and everything so on that, that could ultimately come back to bite us. I don't know the agenda that's there. Like I say, my general approach is to vote no. And by the way, I think Lowell was looking for the quote. Maybe he wasn't. Let me add that only a virtuous people are capable of freedom as nations become corrupt and vicious. They have more need of masters. And I think that kind of what happens every time we do these kind of things is we're creating another master formula for us. You know, that's kind of how 
I, I fear we're going with this in the state and certainly in the nation. So I, I, I think we ought to, you know, be a religious and a moral people and govern ourselves. But uh, I'm not sure this this thing a lot is uh, is needed to be in the Constitution. So I guess I'm I'm uh, voting no on it. Also, all right, F Lowell. I'm only giving these to Lowell because he's got the details in front of him. Lowell. Yeah. So F is the day on which the legislature begins meeting every year. This would allow the legislature to set that date by statute if this particular change. Whereas today, it, you always know it begins on the fourth Monday in January. I'm a definite no on this. I think we need certainty. I don't want to give the legislature a reason to pass one more law every single year to set the dates on which they begin meeting the following year. Let's just leave it in the Constitution the fourth Monday or, or whatever and, uh, and and be done with it. That certainty is important, Sam. Amen. Couldn't agree more, Doctor. Oh, well, I agree with that also, and I, my personal opinion is, and whether it's true or not, I have no idea, but I believe that their attempt is here to be able to uh, at least scooch the date in favor of uh, recognizing the Martin Luther King um, holiday. I, I believe that th- this is, again, one of those things that's motivated by uh, a political agenda, and, and I'm voting no. All right, let's get to G, Lowell. G is uh, they want to be able to splinter off some of the money from the income tax revenues, which is today 100% dedicated to education. They want to be able to say, we we can take a fraction of that now and, and, and use it to support children and individuals with a disability. Now, this is a slippery slope, in my opinion. Once you splinter off a fraction of this money, then they're going to splinter off another fraction the next year and so forth. And before you know it, they will be using the income tax for all manner of, of uh, uses, not just education. I think the education lobby will get upset, they'll cry foul, and demand that the taxes on all of us be increased because they are not being held harmless. So this is a big no for me, Sam. A big no for me as well. We'll get to Dr. Bradley in a second, but let's talk about this one a little bit more. We'll do it in a second. Then we'll move to the national elections. It deserves the least amount of time on your radio. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. 
After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to defendapatriot.com. Defendapatriot.com. All right, going to straight the Dr. Scott Bradley on this one. Uh, uh, Amendment G, Lowell Nelson says he's voting against it. It has to do with money. Should they use um, income tax money for more than just education? Doctor? You know, I, I almost wish we had started with this amendment and worked backwards because it's possible. It's possible. This is the most dangerous amendment that we are voting on this particular go-around. You know, I know that what Lowell says is true. There's going to be the educrats who are going to go say, oh, we need we need to increase income tax because now we're getting cheated out of what we used to always get all the time and blah, 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 blah. So there'll be that downside absolutely unequivocally. But if people, we are constitutionalizing. We're embedded in our most foundational document for Utah. The idea of redistribution of wealth, this idea of socialized everything, I mean, Support children. Well, what is that? Are you going to feed and clothe every child? Are you going to make certain that every child is, has got, uh, you know, a sports car? I mean, I don't know. And, and the fact is that individuals with disabilities, well, is, am I disabled because I don't have a certain income? Am I, I mean, is it something that am I, I'm nutritionally disabled because I, I haven't had enough um, of my vegetables this week? I don't know. Here's the thing. This is so, uh, it's a euphemistic term for being all-encompassing. We can distribute wealth for whatever reason. And children, obviously, are a very large population base in the state, and we can support children is what it says. And to support individuals with a disability, well, it, they're, they're making a bigger and bigger and bigger definition of disability because of a lot of reasons, you know, there's there's federal reasons to do it, and now the state is going to constitutionalize this process. I'm absolutely, absolutely thinking this is a diabolical, this is a poison pill for the entire state. This authorizes socialism to the nth degree in this state. I cannot imagine how a single line can can be so fraught with danger in this particular instance. But I suspect also it's going to pass because people are going to say, well, by golly, you know, it's just kind of unfair that the education gets all the money. And we just, you know what, there's so many other needs out there. But you know what? Supporting children and people with disabilities does not fall under a state uh, mandate. Well, let's just talk about the core of the generation of money, the income tax. In my opinion, unconstitutional as all get out. As part of the Communist Manifesto, it needs to be jettisoned. It's a direct tax that abuses the income side of the equation. It's wrong. It's evil. And if we're going to quit slavery, let's get rid of the income tax altogether and quit spending everybody's money on everything we ought not. That would be my response. A resounding no. There's no question about that. And honestly, if, if we could defeat only one 
I think this is probably the most dangerous. A lot of the rest of them are kind of feel good, you know, and it's kind of like, well, it's a little scooch here and a scooch there. Uh, again, I'm not saying we should vote for any of them, but I am saying that this one embeds in our foundational document the privilege of supporting children, which is more than half the population, supporting them. What does that mean? And individuals with disabilities, by golly, like I say, I, I, might, be, I might fall in that category. Who knows? You know, there you have it. In fact, it should be no unless they're going to give Sam Bushman all the money. I joke, (laughs) but I make the point, right? Uh, Of course, you're pulling the the levers in your favor. That's what these are doing is pulling the levers of government in the favor of individuals that will manipulate it ultimately and finally. And and it's just like uh, heck no. And that's why I that's why I demonstrate the absurd by being absurd a little bit to highlight the point. It is pulling the labor in the favor of the few at the expense of the money at uh, the money. That's for sure at the many. Uh, that's for sure. Um, Kurt, you want to chime in on this one? Well, it sounds like uh, you know we're in agreement on it, Sam. But uh, after you mentioned you know your feelings about the income tax, I wasn't sure if you were for it or against it. But, oh, good. You know, okay. I- <laughs> I'm make sure you knew. But, uh, Lowell, I look at this one, and then I go, what are we thinking? What are we going to do? Just Then we'll pretty soon say, we've got to raise income tax because there's not enough. We've got to raise sales tax because there's not We've got to raise property tax because there's not enough. I mean, government's already doing way too much. The only way to, to reduce what government's doing now is to reduce the amount of money they get. Let's abolish the income tax immediately, and let's free the slaves. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things I like about uh, uh, a fee-based approach is that you know what you're getting. You're actually purchasing something that you want, uh, which is very different from a general tax, a general use tax or a general sales tax, whatever. See, that money can be used any way government wants it to be used, and, and, and yet you have to pay it. I would much rather abolish all of that tax and just allow fee-based services. If you If I want it, then I can pay for you know, fire protection. If I want it, I can pay for police protection. If I want it, you know, I can pay for it. Other than that, we should not be subject to any taxes. Sam. All right, in Utah County specifically, they're trying to change the form of government. Right now they have three commissioners. What they want to do is put a mayor uh, plan together. I think it's disaster. They call this uh, nine or whatever you want to call it. Um, Utah County, no on nine is what I'm going to say. Um because what they're trying to do is make you believe that they're giving you a government that's more responsive to the people. It's a lie. The only way to do that is just to expand the number of commissioners, maybe. Uh, but this mayor plan is disaster on steroids, and it'll mean less influence by the people, less transparency by the government. Vote no on nine uh, is my vote. Now, uh, do you want to chime in on this one, Lowell, real quick? Yeah, my vote is no on nine as well. Um, it's going to result in a mayor a form of government which gives him tremendous power. And so instead of requiring two people to agree on something, it's just up to this one dictator uh, to to make a decision. And vetoing his decision is incredibly difficult because it just requires 60%. I'm sorry, 75%. How do you get 75% of five people? Well, you need four. How do you get 75 people of four people if only four attend the meeting? Well, you need three. And below that, there is no way you can even overturn the veto of this mayor. It will result in more dictator-like, tyrannical government from a single person and, and, and less representation, less transparency in, in Utah County. In 
fact, the, the dollars, if you, if you want to look at the dollar cost, yeah, Salt Lake County went to this form of government about 20 years ago, and in Salt Lake County, the per capita, in, uh, the per capita tax uh, on residents that goes to the county is twice that of Utah County. We cannot afford to do this, even in, in addition to the, the philosophical reason not to do it. We can't afford to do it, Sam. All right, there you have it. We're almost out of time. Who would you vote for for governor, Dr. Bradley? You know, um, I had a big discussion with somebody the other day, and they were quite mad at me, and I was uh, quite uh, adamant that I don't think we've got a good choice, really. And uh, I, they were saying, you've got to vote for somebody. And, and of course, it's been talked about in this thing about this, just not voting at all as a, as a vote in a way. But I made the comment to them, and it sounds a little bit crude, but it, I think it makes the point. If if you're in a cafeteria or a smorgasbord, and all they had on the uh, the platters there serving to you was dog feces, you don't have to dish it up and eat it. And I think that that's kind of what's happened in in our society today, is that the least qualified are seeking um, our vote. And, and I look at what Governor Herbert, for example, again, I, I think this broadcast has been quite, you know, localized to Utah, and I think hopefully people will be able to generalize the concepts across what's going on in their uh, arena and across the nation, but but you look at, for example, uh, the Republican uh, uh, Spencer Cox. He is a mini me of Gary Herbert. Gary Herbert has been a tyrant in this whole situation that we've had, violating the Constitution at every turn, on every aspect of anything he's ever done, and uh, and has been done for money. And I think Cox will be probably more of a, a tyrant than that. The Republican is going to win. I will make a prediction because of the way Utah pulls the levers in spite of the fact that they should know better. So I am very disheartened with who we have. Now, maybe there's somebody you know in the weeds somewhere that I don't know about, but in general, uh, the characteristics of, of those that are prominent. So here's the point, Dr. Bradley. Here's the point. Is not voting at all? an audible option from time to time? And I would say the answer is clearly yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm very disheartened with what we have, and, and I, I wish that there was, you know, I, some of the other people that, that are on other parties, uh, you know, you say, wow, this, this person has a good principle here and a good principle there. But uh, I, I look at most of the people, and, and uh, there's an undertow, fatal flaws even in many of them, where they would continue some of these flawed uh, patterns that we've had, and I feel really badly about that, that, that the understanding of liberty is so so narrow that, that most people, I mean, you get, you get one candidate that I'm thinking about that's absolutely in favor of the public education system, but they're, they're against a lot of the mandate stuff that's been going on. You say, well, well, I can vote for them for that, but I'm giving my vote to something that will further destroy the nation, or this state anyway, with the uh, false philosophies of um, this new humanist religion. It's not really new, but it's a religion that we're teaching in our public education because they're so in favor of public education. I think, good grief, we're destroying our very foundation by the way we raise our children. And so, yeah, I, I just look at the different people. I say, I wish we could sit down and, and collate together a principles-based approach to things, but people come with their biases and their agendas, and pretty soon 
that's just disheartening to me. I am so discouraged with our selection this this time around. I am. Amen. All right, we don't have time to discuss this. We have time just to give our opinions. For president, do you not vote, or do you vote for a candidate, and who will it be? Let's start with Lowell. You mean president of the United States? Yes, sir. Joe Jorgensen of the Libertarian Party or Don Blankenship of the Constitution Party. I don't know Don. I have looked at Joe, and uh, for, unless you convince me otherwise, I'll probably vote for Joe. But you know, and I, you, and, you and I both know, Trump will win Utah, and it's the, it's the six electors who cast their votes in December who actually will vote for president, if not us. But we do influence which party. Uh, get the sender electors to cast those votes. All right, I got to hurry, Doctor Bradley. Uh, I'll probably sit this one out. Kurt Crosby. Well, I'm going to count. I guess I'm sounding kind of different, uh, but the four reasons I'm voting for the president uh, that I didn't vote last time for uh, is the uh, Johnson Amendment that he canceled, the uh, right to pray in public schools. Uh, the um, Born Alive executive order and his other protection of the unborn and the school choice um, initiatives that he's promoting. Those are, you know, my top four that uh, the reason I can't not vote for him this time. All right. So you're voting for President Trump and then you got a, a third party vote and a no vote. And I'm going to vote for President Trump as well. And I know some would say, hey, you're voting for a lot of not good there. And uh, I understand that, but I also understand this, that I'm voting for pro-life primarily. And he's the most pro-life president I've ever had in my life. And life is such an important issue. If there's not the preservation and stand for life, there's no value in government, really, if it's not going to protect life, liberty, and property. And so President Trump has been pro-life more than any president in my lifetime, and I'm going to give a vote yes to that. And I'm going to pray we can surround him with good people that will make the pro-death agenda in America absolutely criminal as it should be that's my take all right thank you gentlemen i hope it was educational entertaining i agree it was localized to utah but i believe the principles taught along the way for two hours can be used anywhere you happen to be educate yourself get involved make it a great day and choose the right lovingliberty.net god save the republic of the united states of america